welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon to you on this National Day of Prayer 2020, this special COVID-19 edition of the National Day of Prayer. Normally, across the country, there will be public gatherings on the National Day of Prayer at the steps of the courthouses and state capitals, even at the U.S. Capitol uh, and and at the White House on the National Day of Prayer. In fact, I've been privileged to attend in the last few years with President Trump the National Day of Prayer in the Rose Garden in the last few years. But this year, with COVID-19, everything is changed, and it's much different, and we'll be doing National Day of Prayer from our homes, and we'll be doing National Day of Prayer in small groups, and of course, but the important thing is we will be praying as a church, praying for our nation, praying for its leaders, and praying for the Church of Jesus Christ, and praying for a revival in the land. I want to share with you some important thoughts today from the Scriptures in regard to prayer. In fact, Jesus spoke to his disciples in Luke chapter 18, And verse 1, as he said that men ought always to pray and not to faint, he said, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city. And she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming, she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith on the earth? Well, that's the question, isn't it? Where is our faith today in relation to our prayers that we offer to God? Well, I want to take you through some time in the Scripture here in the opening, and then I'm going to lead us into an audio from 40 years ago of a major prayer event in Washington, D.C. It was April 29, 1980, Washington for Jesus. Up until that time, it ended up being the largest evangelical prayer gathering in our nation's history, with nearly a half a million Christians that gathered on the mall in Washington to fast and to pray and to seek the face of God. I want to take you to Second Chronicles and 714, and of course, we, you would say, of course you would, it's the National Day of Prayer. But I want us to look at a couple of other verses in that chapter. Let's consider who Solomon was. Solomon, of course, was the son of David, and God promised David that he would not want for a son or a descendant on his throne. In fact, so much so that the prophecy came that even Christ would come through the lineage of David, but the first would be Solomon. Now, David was a man of war, and in fact, David, you know, had fought many campaigns, many wars. And he wanted to build a house for God. In fact, the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. But God said, no, because you have shed so much blood, not that it was wrong, you were in my instruction, you were protecting your nation, 
and you were expanding the kingdom, but your son, who will be a man of peace, he will be the one that will raise up a temple for my glory. So Solomon was a man of peace. There was peace within his years in the expansion of his kingdom, the inherited from the benefit of his father of the many campaigns and putting all of Israel's enemies at rest with the kingdom. But Solomon prayed and asked God to give him wisdom how he might lead the people. And God said, you have prayed well, and I will give you wisdom. And in addition to the wisdom I will give you, I will load you with all these other benefits. But let's read about what Solomon said in the dedication of this temple. In Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 12, it says, And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send a pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes shall be open and my ears attend to the prayer that is made in this place. Well, let's consider that for a minute. God saying that he will have his ears open, his eyes attend to the prayer that is made when God's people seek him with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. In Isaiah 59, verse 1, Isaiah the prophet declares, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither is his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities, have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Well, therein lies the key, isn't it? What is between you and the Lord right now? You know, as we consider this time of COVID-19, I mean, our world is turned upside down. Never have we seen in our generations a time in which stores have closed, sporting events, concerts, restaurants, I mean, the world came to a halt with the coronavirus crisis. And now we're at a point where we are beginning to consider, as we are shut up into our homes, as some of us are isolated and alone, the consideration is, will God send an awakening through the land? Well, will God send a revival among his people? I would say to you, this is a time for consideration, that we are to consider what God is speaking to us. In Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18, the Bible says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God is saying to us, let's join into consideration. What is that which is dividing you from walking a closer walk with Jesus? What is the difference between you and God? What is there that is in your life that's causing clutter, that's causing distance between you and God? You know, be like Peter, James, and John. Of the twelve disciples, they were the inner circle. They were the ones who closest to to the Lord. And they, you know, every time he turned around, he was falling over any one of them, of Peter, James, and John. That's how close they followed Jesus. And I want to ask you, how close are you following him? Well, as the church, we need to really pray and seek the presence of God. We need to press in. And on this National Day of Prayer, let's do just that. 
Let's get together. Let's pray. And I ask you tonight, the National Day of Prayer Task Force, on their website, and go there, the National Day of Prayer dot org, and t- eight p.m. tonight will be a prayer time for uh, eight to ten p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We encourage you to do that to join in with prayer, to listen to the devotional, listen to the messages, and to pray. Gather your family around as well. So that's 8 p.m. tonight, the National Day of Prayer Task Force on their website, nationaldayofprayer.org. We'll be holding a service tonight at 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. But at this time, I want to take you back 40 years ago on April 29, 1980. In fact, April 29th is a significant day on the calendar, for in 1607, that's when the Virginia landings took place. They placed a 14-foot cross on the sands of Virginia Beach, and they dedicated the land for God. Well, you know, that's a spiritual date, and in 1980, our nation was at a crossroads. We had come out of the Vietnam War. There was a recession. There was a lot of questions going on. We had 102 of our countrymen that were held as hostages by the Islamic State in Iran. And there there had just been a failed attempt by the military to rescue them, which ended with crashing helicopters in the desert. We were really on our knees. But on April the 29th, God's church joined on its knees, actually on our faces, on the lawn in Washington. I was there 40 years ago. It was a major event, and I I tell you, the Spirit of God moved. At first, we were repenting, confessing our sins. There was rain all night the night before. There was a youth concert with Second Chapter of Acts, Nikki Cruz, Honey Tree, other musical artists at RFK Stadium. The next day, we would be from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., fasting and praying. There was no food concessions. People came to fast and to pray and to seek the face of God. And by mid-morning, God heard our prayer, and there was a great breakthrough of joy. There was later a walkthrough or a parade in downtown Washington. Well, they had seen many marches in Washington for a lot of different causes, but none to lift up the glory of God. I want to take you back to, to April 29, 1980, for the Washington for Jesus And we're going to hear from Adrian Rogers, Pat Robertson, uh, other speakers, and I hope it's a blessing to you. And then I'll come back with some closing thoughts. Let's go there now. Washington for Jesus, 1980, April 29th. ...from the 700 Club. You know, in 1607, April 29th, uh, this nation began, Act One, Scene One of the uh, unfolding drama that became the United States of America, took place in a little spit of land called Cape Henry uh, on the Atlantic seacoast. There they planted a cross in the ground and claimed this land for Jesus. And so it was appropriate that a church in Virginia Beach, the Rock Church, John Jimenez, the pastor, in association with CBN, which is here in Virginia Beach, would link up with Campus Crusade for Christ with headquarters all the way across the country in uh, Arrowhead Springs, California, along with the Full Gospel Businessmen located also in Southern California, and other organizations and ministries nationwide, including two denominational leaders in Memphis, Tennessee, which is right in the middle of the country, and uh, from north, south, east, and west, from all of the 50 states, people came and they said, we know that our nation is in trouble. 
we love our nation, God loves our nation, we want to pray. We recognize that there's some chastisement, but the chastisement of God is not necessarily uh, an evil thing. It is a loving thing to bring a nation back to repentance. And so we came to say, America, we want to come back to the founding of our nation. We want to come back to the historic roots. We want to come back to the Bible and back to God. And if we don't turn, we face crisis and chaos. And that was the message all day long, from 6 in the morning until 6 at night. People fasted and they prayed and they sought God and they sang and they loved each other. And they joined together in a great celebration of praise and worship and seeking the Lord, a historic event. I believe... This is the most important day in the nation's history apart from its founding because unless God does something supernatural to intervene in the affairs of this nation, I personally believe that we shall lose our freedom to a foreign power. Now, I know that sounds far-fetched, melodramatic, exaggerated, but I have looked with growing concern for years as I've seen the God to whom our fathers dedicated this nation disintegrate. As far as I can see, down toward the Washington Monument, there are people. Up farther of them all, thousands of people have come because you love Jesus. And you love this land. And you know the time has come to pray and to seek God for a great move of His Spirit in America. But this land has gone far from the purposes for which it was planted. And God loves this nation enough that he has called you and me to come at our own expense, humbly, prayerfully, to cry out to him and to call on our fellow citizens across America to repent that God may bless this land. Oh, why should I Then it was right there that David Wilkinson, he said, Nikki, nobody can get close to you, but there's one person that can get close to you, and that is Jesus Christ. Open up your heart. Let me pray for you. Jesus Christ is here in this room. Jesus loves you. He wants to kiss your pains away. And that moment I began to fight convictions and heal and there. But on the other side, they, there was something that was real in that night. And that was that the presence of Jesus Christ was so strong. That Jesus arrived, that he's not, he risen from the dead. And because he can come and give you life. It was about two minutes later, I went down to this basement. And there, I embraced the greatest experience of all experience. It was in that basement 
that Jesus Christ touched me. A number of years ago, in this very stadium, a rock group called the Rolling Stones performed, and they filled the stadium, and Mick Jagger sang his satanic majesty's request, sympathy for the devil, and the stadium was filled with young people that were excited and glorifying Satan himself. Today, this stadium is starting to fill up with young people whose excitement is not a fleshly excitement, but it's an excitement that Jesus is Lord, restoring his church. God bless you. I love that old cross where the dear legal loopholes for criminals and it has become more glamorous to be a criminal than be a Christian it is a strange land when we see crime running rampant down our streets like water down rain-drenched gutters it is a strange land when we recognize legalized murder. It is a strange land when marriage has become unpopular and shacking has become the end thing. Our trouble began when we turned our backs on God and his word. And I love America with every fiber in my body. I love America. I love America. I love America. When our people are starving, America fed our people there in the old country. When they needed a home, America opened its arms and said, come, we'll give you a home. That's why I'm here. And eight months ago, when Paul Tilberty and John Jimenez and myself and Leo Pantaleo, the coordinator, we went visiting our senators and congressmen all day long. And one senator, was deeply moved eight months ago. He said, we got deep problems. He says, men, would you lay your hands on me and pray? And we prayed. 
And every senator congressman said, pray for me. And we prayed for every one of them. I've never seen that happen before. Thank God for their conscience and God consciousness. This is Jesus praying. You know, Jesus didn't pray, Lord, I wish that the Baptists would be one, or that the Catholic would be one, or that the Lutheran would be one. It's not in the book. He said that they may be one. He was talking about the Baptists, and about the Lutheran, and about the Catholic, and about the white, and about the black, and about the whosoever. Anybody who calls upon the name of Jesus, that's who he was talking about. And yet there is hope. And I'll tell you why there is hope. As long as there is a God in heaven, there is hope. And our God has said to his ancient people Israel in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Several things I want you to notice. First of all, I want you to notice the people God has. God says, if my people, now we say, if only Hollywood, if only Congress, if only the government, if only the schools, but God says, if my people, God is waiting on his people, Sometimes we say, oh God, if only God would. But God says, it's not me, it's you. God says, if my people, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you, it is not our job to persuade God to bless America, but to permit him to do so. Now the second thing I want you to notice, not only the people that God has, but the pride that God hates. God says, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves. Sometimes we say, oh God, make us humble. He's not going to do it. He may humiliate us, but he will not make us humble. We are to humble ourselves. And I want to tell you there is one sin more than any other sin that is holding back revival in America. It is not rape. It is not arson. It is not abortion. It is not perversion. It is pride. Pride. God hates pride. Dr. Pat Robertson, president of Christian Broadcasting Network and co-coordinator of this whole Washington for Jesus rally, is down here leading the parade with his wife, Didi. Let's catch up to them right now and ask them just a few words. 
Excuse me, Dr. Robertson. What does this day mean? Why did you see it so important to call it together? I believe that we're coming back to God in our nation. This is one of the most profound experiences that any of us have ever had. This obviously is the biggest crowd that's ever assembled for any uh, evangelical gathering in history. A meeting like this has never happened before in history. And the whole nation is going to be shaken with the power of God. I feel that. And that was Washington for Jesus, 1980, April 29th. A wonderful prayer event in our nation's capital. It's been 40 years. You know, the Bible marks 40 years as a generation. Here we are 40 years later, and our nation is at a crossroads. We are in desperate need of God. And you know what Adrian Rogers, was he's preaching there, talking about the sin of pride. We need to humble ourselves. And that's why Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Well, my friend, that's what you and I need to do today. We need to press in to fellowship with God. Confess those sins. Confess those things that are between you and the Lord Jesus Christ, and enter in to a renewal and a time of revival. Well, join us tonight at 8 p.m., the National Day of Prayer Task Force, just go to nationaldayofprayer.org. At 8 p.m. tonight will be the National Day of Prayer. It will be a two-hour segment. We hope that you can join us. God bless you. And from Leviticus 25.10, proclaim liberty throughout all the land to all the inhabitants thereof. God bless you all. See you next week. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe, on D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. Hello, I'm Ohio Governor Mike DeWine. We need all Ohioans to help us slow the spread of the coronavirus. For the most up-to-date information, please visit our website at coronavirus.ohio.gov or call 1-833-4-ASK-ODH seven days a week. Furnished by Governor Mike DeWine. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze.
clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. That is Psalm 100, and we're going to talk today in a, pas- a pastor's panel discussion about reopening the church on May 3rd. And uh, we're going to talk about what pastors and churches have been doing through the COVID-19 shutdown for the last two months almost now, and uh, finding a variety of ways and creative ways to gather the church together in the midst of social distancing and taking precautions about COVID-19. Now, of course, the numbers have been coming down, but as authorities tell us, there's going to be a little bit of a uh, up-and-down type of um, response to this. As we begin opening things back up, there will be concerns that the uh, infections may increase, and we're seeing that in other places. So it may be a little bit of a stutter step is the way we open things back up. But nevertheless, we're moving in that direction, and churches are finding ways to creatively gather and, of course, safeguard the elderly among them, and also those who are at most at risk with health conditions. With me on the phone is Pastor Frank Carl from Genoa Baptist Church of the Columbus area, also Pastor John Coates, and he also pastors in Columbus. And with us also is Pastor Phil Fulton, and he is from Union Hill Church in Adams County. Gentlemen, welcome to the program. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Well, Pastor uh, Frank, I want to go to you first. Of course, uh, when this all started and the governor made the announcements of social distancing and about uh, limiting crowd sizes, first it was, I think it was 150 and then down to 10. And then, of course, churches were realizing that, wow, we've got an issue here that we're going to have to address. The, the governor, of course, did not order the churches, but he gave strong guidance for social distancing that we are all in this together, as he said, to help lessen the curve of the infections uh, as COVID-19 was making its way through Ohio. Uh, you went to the governor and you had an idea. Tell us, our audience what that was about. Sure, Chris. I'm happy to, and thanks for having us on today. Uh, so um, I was raised on a farm in Tazewell County, Virginia, by a retired school teacher that taught eight grades in one room, you know, just like the story you heard about, the little house on the prairie days, only it was in the beginning of the 20th century, uh, though I'm not that old, but she was. And we only got three TV stations, and I had to go up on the hill and turn the antenna to get them. But every Sunday morning, she made me watch Oral Roberts, and every year we got Oral Roberts and his family picture we put on the wall, and then we had to watch Robert Schuler, who had started a drive-in church service. And he would always start out with his arms out saying, this is the day the Lord has made. 
And when they said we couldn't meet in the building, for some reason I went back to my childhood and I thought about every Sunday morning that picture of saying this is the day the Lord has made and you see all these old 1960s cars sitting in his parking lot in Lemon Grove, California. So I asked Governor DeWine, could we please have drive-in services? And we adopted as a theme, uh, come as you are, but stay in your car. <laughs> and and as we did that, he gave his blessing, and then his faith um, lady, um, I can't think of her name right now, but she said, we would love to see other churches catch on with this. And and so that's that's how we started, and we were just amazed. The three local networks came out, the affiliates in Columbus, and then Fox News ran it all across the nation, and we started getting calls from, I bet, 20, 30 states. And then Time Magazine did a story, and then the Christian Post did two stories. And so we have been able to help a ton of churches yes. start with drive-in services, and that's how it started, and it's been exciting. Well, that's right, because uh, the other options, of course, were online or uh, conference calls, those kinds of things, or using Zoom, some of the technologies. And, of course, a lot of our older folks, they're well, they don't have smartphones, and they're not uh, in tune to the Internet, and they're not, a, <laughs> they're not uh, versed on these apps that you use to uh, keep in touch. And so that was a challenge, as uh, a lot of our congregations were not able to be connected with. So the drive-in service was something that everybody understood. In fact, harken back to fun days, going to the old movie theater. So, uh, you know, it caught on like wildfire. And you know what? My wife's very... Yeah, oh, sorry. Go, well, I was just going to say that, Pastor Frank, your idea did catch fire across the state. I've talked to a number of pastors on this program. They had uh, down in uh, P- Pastor Lord down there in Marietta, they had three churches come together in a big industrial park uh, parking lot, and they had all three services together, three churches, and oh. uh, just had a grand time. And that was happening all around the state from your original idea. And so God really blessed that. And in Gallia County, they rented the fairgrounds, and churches came together. And they brought a big tractor trailer out that was designed as a chapel for truck drivers, and they opened the side of the bed up, and there was a whole platform with a pulpit that came out and big screens that came up on either side. I thought, man, you folks have really refined this. That's right. And, of course, you were using an FM translator, and that's how you were people would just tune in on their car radios then yes, to the signal do. that you designated, and so they could follow along as you were preaching. And, uh, of course, I love that you didn't know how it was going to turn out when you first started it, from what a friend tells me. But, boy, it really uh, caught fire right there at your own church that you had to mow. How many services did you have on Easter Sunday? We, I did a total of 10 services. Oh, my. <laughs> but we did six on Sunday. No, we did seven because we do a streaming service inside the building for people that watch live stream. Then, you know, I'm on uh, Salem Media across the state of Ohio on Sunday for an hour. And so then we did that, and then we did the services, and then we did a Good Friday service as well. On Online, we handed out distributed about 1,000 to 1,200 communion cups the week before and had everyone take them home, disposable communion, and then Friday evening we all had communion together. Wonderful. Online. Well, let me ask you this then, as we've gone a number of weeks now, uh, almost eight weeks into this thing now, and heading into May 3rd, and of course it'll be the first week of May next week, Sunday will be May 3rd, uh, some are calling for Open Church Sunday, but with cautions, 
and precautions. And so there's a variety. Somebody says, well, how should we go about doing this? Well, it's as varied as there are denominations and or churches. Uh, there's a variety of uh, responses, and people are uh, taking a, a lot of different precautions uh, and going forward. Tell me what you're doing on Sunday. Anything different? You're going to well, continue with the drive-in. Yeah, we're going to be late to the party and doing anything different. Uh, between our uh, online and our parking lot, people come in and go. We're we're seeing about 80 to 85 percent of our congregation, our constituency, in services. And uh, our finances are doing incredibly well. Our, we do a, a broadcasting every day for either children or youth or adults. And until we see how everything's landing, we're just going to continue on. That's not right for everyone, but um, it's working well for us. And I just want to, even though the other one may have been pioneering, on this one, I just want to wait and see how things go. Because mm. we do have a, a number of older people, and I want to be very careful with that. Absolutely. Pastor Phil Fulton, when I preached at your church some months ago, I don't think that there wasn't a hand that didn't shake mine as I was visiting with you and preaching that Sunday. But that's not how things are now during COVID-19 and social distancing. Tell me what you're doing at your church. One of the hardest things for me is not hugging people's necks and shaking their hands <laughs> and going out to the cars. Uh, the first couple of weeks we learned live streaming, and then Easter Sunday we decided we'd do drive-in service, and we had the parking lot full. And we also live-streamed at the same time. And then on Sunday evening, we do a live-stream uh, only. Uh, we are doing that, and on Wednesday evening, we live-stream a teaching. And so that's how we've been flowing. Uh, also, uh, Saturday, I had a drive-in wedding. Uh, the young lady and young man, they Saturday had to be the day. They had to get married on that day, so... Uh, we pulled in a farm wagon. We got steps up to it, uh, had cars parked clear around, and had a drive-in wedding, and everything went really well. Aww. And uh, we do have a radio transmitter. We have it set up uh, so people can hear and do that. This uh, opening of the church, um, we, we will still do the drive-in and live stream Sunday morning and live stream a Sunday evening. It yeah. is getting very hard for me uh, to get used to all this. I'm 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 wanting to open up the church, but I I am uh, like the other brother. I don't want to push the envelope. Yes, and really open it up before we should. Also, in our we we have thought about having a an outside service, putting up chairs, having them spaced, having the social distancing, and having an outside service uh, doing that. Or, of course, you know, we've got the large um, fellowship hall, and we we can really do a service there and, and uh, set chairs far enough apart and get everything set up there. So um, when it comes to the 10th or the 17th, I'm not exactly sure, but uh, we we really are wanting to get really back open again. But I, I try to adhere to what the governor's saying. 
Well, I've enjoyed your online um, little vignette uh, there where you and your wife will sing a song and you'll read a, a portion of Scripture. And my wife and I have been watching that the last few weeks. We've really enjoyed that, so thank well, you. thank you. I appreciate that. We try to do that once a week also. Well, it's it's been wonderful to hear it. Well, listen, uh, these are great ideas, and I think that we are cautious. The governor wants to open things back up, and the last thing he wants to see is that that uh, curve spike. And, of course, um, he's still monitoring things as they're going. And uh, the great thing about Governor DeWine is that he has not ordered the church. He has given right. strong guidance. Other states have not been so fortunate. There's been, uh, in fact, Matt uh, Staver of Liberty Council was on this program last week. When he's saying open the church Sunday, he's not saying to be recklessly just pack everybody into a building. And he, he spelled that out on the program. I was glad to hear that because he was saying, look, Seniors probably should not be coming back yet. Others should be wearing masks or gloves and keeping uh, social distancing. But he said, we got to keep the body of Christ gathered, however that takes place. Of course, he's dealing with things where arrest of a pastor down there in Orlando, uh, the Kentucky governor actually forbidding even uh, drive-up services like we're practicing here in Ohio. So there's been a number of civil liberty uh, challenges across the country, so that's why he put out the alert, but uh, not with out the precautions that we should all be taking. And with that, I'm going to go to my brother and friend, John Coates, Pastor Coates. Uh, Pastor, you were designated by the governor to sit on a special council to uh, to address concerns within the black community because they are seeing a higher rate of infections even here in the state of Ohio. Explain that to us. Most, most definitely. Um, African Americans are more susceptible to contracting um, COVID-19 because of underlying health conditions. Now, these are underlying health conditions that have been affecting uh, the black community for at least 50 or 60 years. Where um, years ago we were um, uh, dying at, at, at high rates from heart disease, cancer, stroke, um, um, diabetes, liver disease, kidney disease. And these are the same um, uh, the issues that we're having now. And, of course, a weakened immune system makes you more susceptible to um, not only contracting COVID-19, but having a difficult time of recovering um, from it. So as the State Department of Health began to address the situation and to send messages out to the black community, um, they wanted to make sure that there were black people at the table to um, talk about language that we're using, um, to talk about the the, um, the distribution methods in order to um, to have a compelling message and um, compelling methods sent out to the um, to the black community. So I'm honored to serve on that um, committee with several other individuals from throughout the state, and um, and hopefully we'll be able to um, get that message across to. Um, um, to many of our people. Well, and congratulations uh, for the governor's appointment on that commission. And I think uh, you shared some numbers with me yesterday that were alarming to me, and I did not know. I do have four healthcare workers in my family, two RNs, a nurse practitioner, and a paramedic who keep me up to speed on some of the things that are happening. Uh, all four have had contact with COVID-19 patients uh, in some fashion over the last number of weeks. And uh, of course, they've been monitoring, uh, you know, what's been happening in the hospitals and healthcare centers. But tell us the numbers uh, that you uh, shared with me yesterday. They were quite alarming. If uh, the African-American population makes up 12% of the Ohio population, what is the infection rate right now in the uh, black community? 
the infection rate is around 21%. And again, as you mentioned, we make up 12% of the population, but our infection rate is at 21%. Our death rate, as it relates to COVID, is somewhere around 14% right now. We expect that to possibly increase. Oh, because my. Aggregating that the, the numbers have been, have been difficult because they're coming in from 88 counties, of course. And uh, when someone dies, either the coroner gets the body or a funeral home gets the body, and those death certificates have to be processed and, and then sent back in. And, um, and then the, the state is able to then um, get the information out of the, off of those certificates and then put them into, into silos so that we have a good idea as to what's going on and where it's happening. And there's areas of the state that we consider to be hot spots because people are, are, are living in more dense areas. They're living on top of each other. And uh, we have to make sure that those individuals that they really um, uh, understand and adhere to the, um, the social distancing um, guidelines that have been given. Well, it is all about messaging and, and getting information. We can always assume, of course, there's the daily radio broadcast, uh, but if you're not tuned into that station, you're listening to a music station, you may not hear the governor's uh, daily press briefing. Or if you're not watching online, I mean, that's what we kind of do as policy wonks. We watch this stuff. Uh, but that's not, everybody's not doing that. Uh, Pastor Carl, your thoughts on that? Uh, I'm so sorry, Chris. I missed that last statement. Say well, it again. Yeah, just that, uh, you know, the messaging of uh, the social distancing and the things, we, the precautions that we need to be taking, you know, we would think that everybody's been inundated with o- an overload of information, but that's not true. And as Pastor Coates has said, in the African-American community, the messaging may not have been getting out all these weeks. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, and if it hasn't been, uh, when people, for an example, in our location, when they come in the parking lot on that FM broadcaster, we talk about social distancing. Every two and a half minutes, it repeats itself. With regard to coming in to using the restroom, we have only 10 or less people in the building at one time. Mm. And we, you know, it say, ask everyone, please stay in your car. Please keep the social distancing. I don't, I don't think it's a message you can repeat too often. Uh, we only get one shot at this, you know, to do it. And, and quite frankly... In my church, we've been affected by COVID-19, so I take it seriously. Yes. Well, that's right, and uh, it is affecting lives, and we've seen the numbers here in Ohio, and of course they're posted up uh, by the Ohio Department of Health, and on the Ohio Christian Alliance website for the last uh, eight weeks, we have had the links to the Ohio Department of Health, the daily uh, press briefing from the Ohio Channel, uh, that you can go to the Ohio Christian Alliance website and click on those links at 2 p.m., and then each day uh, the numbers are updated as far as infections, the ICU admissions, and unfortunately, uh, those who have passed away due to COVID-19 complications. Pastor Phil Fulton, your congregation, uh, have they in, their, in your area down there in southeast Ohio, has that been uh, the message has gotten out to the folks? Yes, it's, it's gotten out, and we've repeated that, but fortunately we are in a rural area. We've had a total of three cases in Adams County, and they've all come from the workplace, which was out of the county. All three of those are back in the workforce now they're back at work and we have had no occurrences of the COVID-19 so we have been very very fortunate here in our area and uh, of course I keep up on the on the news your website and uh, all of your emails I, I keep up with that we have we tell our people you know when they come in 
you know, social distancing and try to keep the information out there and, and uh, keep them up, up to date on what's going on. You know, as the governor has said, and if we look back 100 years ago with the Spanish flu pandemic, it actually came in two waves. Mm-hmm. And many of the professionals are talking about that we might have, even if we are starting to see a lessening of the curve now, we go into summer with the warmer months, and uh, we might see really a flattening of the infections. But they're saying there might be a resurgence of this in the fall. And that's one thing we need to be praying about. We need to be praying for our nation right now. It's a very serious time. I've never seen the kind of um, draconian actions by government that I've seen in, you know, in my, my years. Uh, and, of course, you have to go back to 100 years ago to where these kinds of things were being implemented. Thankfully, we have the heart of a governor who listens to people. I mean, even those... The, the ones who are protesting, and I, I agree with protesting. I think it's important. I'm not protesting. I have a line with the governor, and I think he's not been tone deaf. I think he's been listening. And so from one day to the next, he'll adjust his um, directives according to what he's hearing from uh, uh, constituents and Ohioans. Uh, Pastor Frank, what's your thoughts on that? Well, uh, I think that, you know, as we go through the summer and get ready for the fall, I don't think it's going to be a normal summer at all. We've already canceled our vacation Bible schools. We've canceled all of our summer camps. We've canceled two mission trips. Um, and, uh, you know, we have a school here. We have over 400 students, and we're contemplating starting the fall with online education. Just not knowing, but being prepared, hoping we'll be back in the building and, and that we'll have really great results, but we don't know. Pastor Coates, as uh, the time goes on here and you're just starting with this committee, what do you hope to achieve? And, and Pastor Frank was talking about a church you wanted to give us an update on. we got just a few minutes left. What's uh, happening there? Well, um, when my sister church is the Word Church of God in Christ. I pastored Metropolitan Church of God in Christ, and we, we pre-record our messages and then send them out to our members. But the Word Church has followed Pastor Frank's lead and have um, gone to the drive-in church service, which has been overwhelmingly successful for them. And I believe that, that Pastor um, Eddie Parker and him, they converse back and forth to make sure that how's this working out, what can be done better. And that's what we're supposed to do is consult with one another others to make sure that what we do, that we perfect it in the process. It's not going to be perfect the first time, but as we go on and do things that it will do. I'm also president of the local ministerial alliance, and um, other churches have begun to do the same thing. Driving church is good. You're safe within the encapsulation of your automobile, and, um, and you can worship God inside of your car and still feel the communion of, of, of fellow believers as, as well. On the um, minority strike force, strike force means that you're addressing an immediate situation, not necessarily a long-term situation, even though it may have long-term effects. We hope to provide greater sensitivity, intricate information about our community that nobody has except for really the people that uh, work in our community day in and day out. And, um, and, 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 and hopefully that will be of help to the State Department of, of, of Health as we distribute testing, more testing, more testing in, in areas, as well as um, providing equipment 
um, PPE equipment, personal protection um, equipment to people to wear. And the governor announced that help is on the way as they've just ordered a lot of that for our state. So that's good news. Gentlemen, I want to thank you, pastors. Uh, God bless you all for your work and ministry. And I, I believe that God's going to send a revival at this time. And this is a great time for people to get closer to the Lord and for Amen. him to send down his showers of blessing upon his Amen. church. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Frank. Thank Thank you, you, Pastor John and Pastor Coates. God bless you all. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.